everybody, and welcome back to Think Tank Sports. Think Tank Sports, where we think and you listen. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. We got a new Twitter poll out there, and our fans are voting like crazy on it already. Mike's going to talk about that in a moment. And, of course, on listen to us on your favorite podcast delivery system. And give us a five-star rating for our Week 8 NFL Recap. And I feel like we say this every week, Mike. This week doesn't look like that many good games. And then we get all these good games. And it happened again this week. Yeah, absolutely. That's the nature of the NFL, Dave, and why, you know, we fell in love with it as a kid and continue to follow it into our, uh, let's say, upper middle ages uh, here on Think Tank Sports. Some of us more upper middle ages Some of us, yes, have literally a leg up on that situation. (laughs) Oh. Um, But, folks, this was the week that starting quarterbacks – went out to die. I I don't know what was going on around the league. There was some injuries, a couple of really bad, uh, gruesome ones. You know, the Jameis Winston leg bending the wrong way is uh, pretty nasty. But our Twitter poll uh, concentrates on the positive and and lurching forward. Uh, We ask which backup quarterback had the most impressive performance in week eight. Your four options are Trevor Simeon for the Saints. Mike White for the Jets, P.J. Walker for the Panthers, and Cooper Rush for the team with the stars on their helmet. And uh, uh, in, uh. in early voting and, you know, my vote, and I would say probably who will win it going away, uh, Mike White with the New York Jets, and, and we'll get to them in a minute. But uh, what, what a performance. Best uh, performance by a rookie quarter or a um, first-time starter since 1950. Um Absolutely crazy. But, Dave, let's go back to uh, a very entertaining Thursday night game. Oh, this do week. you want to do our Twitter poll, Mike? I just did it. Oh, you just did it. Okay. Yeah, well, that's why hello, we're talking welcome. about quarterback, back, backup everybody. quarterbacks. Hey, <laughs> Dave's with wow. us. Yeah, uh, here I am. Back to the uh, Packers and the Cardinals, Dave. And this was uh, a game that uh, really shaped up to be a fun game to watch. You know, the Packers come limping in with – uh, because of COVID reasons, a uh, very depleted uh, wide receiver room. And, uh, you know, obviously Devontae Adams is the most significant out of that. Um, and we saw in this game where uh, Aaron Rodgers really decided that we're going to run the ball. They ran the ball uh, at a great clip, 34 rushes, 151 yards and a touchdown. And he went to some uh, reliable targets. Aaron Jones out of the backfield, 11 targets, 7 catches, 51 yards. And uh, Robert Tanya in his uh, tight end, six or 4 targets, 3 catches, 49 yards. Now, unfortunately, and you'll see this will be a theme in most of these games, <laughs> yeah. uh, Tanya blew out his ACL and he's out for the year. Yep, yep, um, yep. But the wide receiver I wouldn't want to be is uh, Jawan Winfrey, Dave. If you saw the daggers that Rodgers was throwing at this guy, uh, missing routes, not cutting in the right, not picking up the hot route, I mean, really was some tremendous memes created from the looks that uh, (laughs) Rodgers was given. But this turned out to be an entertaining game with the Packers winning 24-21. Kyler Murray, you know, leads their uh, team down uh, for – 
a drive at the end of the game. It was a long, uh, drawn-out drive that ended with, unfortunately, uh, an interception to seal the game for Green Bay. But it was 12 plays. Uh, took 94 up yards. 94 yards, 3 minutes, 11 seconds, and... Uh, just ended in, in a, uh, just a bad throw. He just took a chance that, um, you know, sometimes these quarterbacks make at the end of the game. Uh, uh, and, and there were some funny memes about that one too, Mike. There with was, AJ uh, Green and people showing the uh, LeBron James yes. and uh, J.R. Smith. And J.R. Smith with yeah. the hands out. Like, what are you doing on that, that play in the finals a few years ago? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Great stuff. The internet is funny sometimes, folks. For oh, yes. For sure. Uh, so, entertaining game all the way around. I feel like there was another significant injury for um, Arizona that we missed, but that's okay. Um, oh, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, out, we learned, um, probably out for the rest of the year. Um, yes. With another major injury to um, his sizable muscle mass and as good as he was for them beginning half of the season leaves a big hole uh, on that uh, pass rush. And uh, just and you the, think about how big his recruiting was and how many teams wanted him. Right. Uh, you know, and now he's hurt. So, I mean, they got lucky because Chandler Jones came back in this game, but right. yeah, uh, losing a player of JJ Watts ability as much as I dislike him as a player uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge blow for a Arizona team that was rolling before this game. Yep, so they fall to 7-1, and one, still, I think, a contender in the NFC, uh, but a lot to learn from and grow from as a young quarterback and a young head coach will. And uh, Aaron Rodgers and the uh, Green Bay Packers, you know, survive another one. They've moved to 7-1. and one. And probably the biggest disappointment, Dave, is the big wind-up to Aaron Rodgers' uh, Halloween costume where he's growing the long hair. And he it was uh, a pretty simple John Wick. If you've seen those movies, you know the look. Um, and that's kind of the look Rodgers had, not quite shaven and long, greasy hair. Uh, I don't know. I guess I expected something more from that. I heard or saw somewhere where someone was speculating that he was going to dress as Jesus Christ and... Uh, that would have been an all-time Interesting. move. An all-time yeah. move, and we'll just leave it at that. But yeah. uh, no, uh, uh, go ahead, buddy. A couple, uh, a, a couple of interesting stats that I saw from this game, and so you talked early on about the impact of Devonte Adams and missing him. So since this, uh, since Matt Lafleur came in in 2019 as a head coach, there's seven Aaron Rodgers seven and zero without. Devontae Adams in the lineup. Wow. So interesting. Uh, not a ton of games. And, you know, you're happy to not have him miss that many games, but right. undefeated right. in those games. Uh, and then you also mentioned Aaron Jones, who, I mean, he's right there. Austin Eckler, you know, all these, these great running backs. He is the first Packer in the Super Bowl era with 50 or more touchdowns in his first five years. Wow. Um, so that's a lot of history for sure. Absolutely. Um, and so Aaron Jones just continues to do it, and he's on my fantasy team, so I like it too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what's the next game you want to take a look at there, buddy? Oh, I, the you know, slot. yeah. Um, the Titans-Colts. Sure. That was, is it, 
that was a tremendous game. Well, I think it was in the later time slot, but uh, no, it was early because it ran over. Uh, oh, into the overtime yes, 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 yes. The later slot. That's right. So Titans at Colts, uh, the Titans looking every bit like the best team in the AFC. You've heard us talking about it for a couple of weeks. Uh, and this game, Mike, back and forth, uh, very entertaining. Uh, you know, Tannehill doing his his best here, although he did turn the ball over a couple of times. 23 of 33, 265, three touchdowns, two picks. Yep. Um, Carson Wentz. Uh, an admirable effort. No, absolutely hard. Uh, threw the ball 51 times, 27 of 51, 230 yards, also three touchdowns, also two picks. But if you haven't seen the replay of the interception that Carson Wentz threw in overtime, uh, I had to watch it a couple of times to make sure that I really did see, Mike, three Tennessee defenders yep. in the vicinity um, of the the Colts receiver. Uh, the, the receiver's already double teamed, and then the safety comes right across and and picks this off. They're at the 32-yard line. It just sets Tennessee up uh, in overtime to win 34-31 uh, just, uh, just before we came on. Mike was saying, uh, I wasn't really into Carson Wentz, and now I'm really not into Carson Wentz. Uh, it's just a terrible throw. Uh, no reason to force it like that in overtime. Dave, I'm not even sure that's the worst of the two picks he threw. If you saw the uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter, they're backed up towards their own end zone. They're going to run oh, a screenplay. Right. Uh, the screenplay sniffed out by the defensive lineman for Tennessee. So he's going to throw it at the feet of the running back. That's not there. He swings left. He's about to get Malachi crunched at the end zone. And he just shot puts it with his left hand, Dave, just towards oh, the middle of the field where it's, you know, picked off by Tennessee uh, for a pick six. Really embarrassing, embarrassing uh, rookie type effort. It's like... Um, it's like he turns into the Incredible Hulk, like he's Bruce Banner. Everything's calm, everything's good, but when his uh, when his pulse speeds up in tight spots, in spots where he needs to step up and make a play, he turns into the Hulk and he just smashes the entire dreams and hopes of the Colts. <laughs> and so I I don't think. You know, Frank Ray came into this game, you know, singing the praises of Wentz, and he hadn't turned the ball over in a few games. And uh, that Yeah, he had a long over. stretch yeah. without interceptions. Yeah, that narrative is over, and this Colts team uh, is over. But really the biggest news out of this game, Dave, is the uh, devastating injury to Derrick Henry, the all-everything running back uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, late in the game came out, he was flexing his foot, you were hoping it was a cramp or, you know, something like that, turf toe maybe. Turns out he's uh, got a broken foot. Still no definitive timeline on his return. We've seen everything from six to ten weeks to undetermined. Uh, either way, it's really going to kill the Tennessee Titans going forward. He is the identity of this offense, and uh, they just, if they're going to rely on Ryan Tannehill, uh, for the rest of the season, but really the rest of the season isn't so much in danger for them as it is that first playoff game. 
if they can get Henry back for the first playoff game, they're going to be okay because he's going to be relatively fresh. And, um, you know, these playoff teams are going to be beat up physically. But just a terrible, terrible injury. You know, any list of MVP candidates so far had to include Travis Henry or Derrick Henry, both of them. Why do I always do that with him? Um, I got and Buff- Travis Henry played for the Titans, too. That's the funny part. Right, right. And your Buffalo Bills. But still. Yes. Um, you know, just a terrible injury, you know, for the Titans, for the NFL, for any fantasy owner that had him. Uh, just a bad, bad injury all the way around. As uh, Steve Gross said in our text chain earlier today, turns out you can't run him uh, just about every play for three straight years and not have significant yeah. injury. And that is true. Um, but The Titans, Mike, it's, it's interesting. Uh their schedule here, uh, they have, they still have their buy coming up. So okay. that is of benefit. That is in five weeks. So at the Rams, home versus the Saints and the Texans, at the Patriots, the buy, the Jaguars, Steelers, 49ers, Dolphins, Texans. Not a really difficult schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams, obviously, being probably the most challenging team. Uh, on this list and they play them this next week uh they could still be in a pretty good spot mike despite uh our saying it is a major injury there's no doubt but their schedule uh their big heavy lifting games they've played already yeah that's true and have beaten you know the cream of the crop of the afc again including your bills so uh and i don't know if we said the titans win this game in overtime with a a Reggie Bullock kick for uh, the win. Uh, Dave, let's go uh, to another one of your teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland oh, Browns. My Cleveland Browns. Browns. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers might be back, Dave. They figured out how to run the ball. 32 attempts, 115 yards, not a great average, but still 32 attempts, 115 yards and a touchdown. Uh, ben Roethlisberger only th- only threw the ball 34 times, 22 for 34 yeah, for 266. That's great. Good balance. Him. A weird score, 15-10 for the Steelers. And uh, if you want to see a hit, folks, like remember the old ESPN uh, segment that you got jacked up before it was uh-huh. uh, you couldn't do that anymore because of concussions? Well, Chris Boswell, the kicker for the Steelers, got jacked up. Uh, fake field goal. He's rolling right all by himself, and he just gets blown up by one of the Brown special teamers. Yard sale, shoe one way, helmet the other way, glove on. I love, I love the yards. You love a good yard sale. Yeah, you don't want to use it too often, but uh, this is only first time this season I've seen one. Uh, and so they were out without a kicker the rest of the game, and that made for some interesting decisions uh, down the stretch. But the bottom line in this game, folks, is Cleveland had the ball um, and put it in Baker's Mayf- Baker Mayfield's hands uh, to try and win the game. And Jarvis Landry, as much as I want to get on Baker uh, for yeah. not taking them down the field and winning this game. Jarvis Landry had two of the worst drops, including the fourth down play that ended it, um, that yeah. you'll ever see someone of his caliber have, just right in his hands and uh, dropped to the ground. like yep. uh, Hands hands like feet. Hands like feet, for sure. And, and 
so the Steelers, all of a sudden, you know, we knew they played good defense. They're going to start running the ball like that. Uh, and uh, being more balanced, of course, Najee Harris is a big reason they're doing that. Uh, going to four and three and taking the Browns down to four and four. And we'll go over this division later, Dave, but this is a very serious competition going on for uh, that division and probably a wild card spot as well. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, the Browns, sure, they got 96 yards uh, rushing, but not their typical output. And absolutely with Baker Mayfield, I was in the car listening to this drive and uh, listening to the Cleveland announcers and just kept thinking, okay, this is Mayfield's chance. And, you know, he throws an incomplete pass, but they get a roughing the passer penalty in it advances them into Pittsburgh territory and thought everything was going to, you know, they were going to be able to eke this game out. But uh, he, you know, you mentioned the passes to Landry. Uh, he threw too high for Odell Beckham Jr. on that drive as well, a pass that should have been made and Can would have been a nice completion. Can two hands, though? I mean, he but, only yes. went up with one hand. But, and that, that, that comment was also made on the broadcast. Was You know, so even the Cleveland announcers were getting on him for that. And he was, he was like at the two or three yard line. I mean, it would have, it would have, it would have, you know, changed the game completely. So, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. We said a couple of weeks ago, I think you said it, Mike, that this, this Cleveland Browns team could be looking at a seven and 11 season. Uh, And we were talking about it because of the injuries. Now it's not. I wouldn't say it's the injuries now. It's they're just not performing very well. Yeah. And uh, like you say, kudos to the Steelers. Uh, shout out to our good friend Tom as we killed the Steelers last week, and now we're singing their praises this week. Tom, I hope you're happy. <laughs> as Steelers uh, looking a little bit better. Absolutely. Where where else you want to go next, buddy? Well, I Mike, I think we need to go to MetLife, uh, where we were the week before, because, boy, everybody's singing the praises of the Cincinnati Bengals uh, after their big win and at five and two. Hold on, folks. Yeah, you ran into uh, my goodness, a buzzsaw New York Jets team that scored thirty four points in this game. With, wait a minute, who is that at quarterback? <laughs> Mike White, Dave. Uh, uh, did you know Mike where he White? went to school? Did you look it up, or did you know? Uh, do you know? I'm gonna look it up now. Oh, I'll tell you. I, I know. Yes. I just didn't know if you the. Uh, no, I did not know it off the top Western of my head. Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Yes, the Hilltoppers. Yes, he you was are the quarterback of that college juggernaut. Uh, not too long ago, and uh, he goes 37 for 45 for 405 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, took a couple of sacks for sure, but really uh, kind of a frenetic game, uh, you know, just all over the place. The one thing I liked what they did, Dave, is they didn't um, give him opportunities down the field too early. They hit a lot of short and mid-range passes and eased him into the game. And I think they need to do that more when Zach Wilson comes back. You know, they know Wilson has the big arm and can make the big boy throws, of, as I've said on here before. But it doesn't mean they have to shoot for that every time. Uh, especially their running game was super, super impressive, in my opinion. 27 for 97 for a touchdown, but it seemed like 
uh, every time they needed a big play, uh, their running game, especially Carter, uh, delivered for them. And, uh, you know, he had an 18-yarder, which, you know, you, you say ho-hum in the NFL, but for the Jets, the crowd was nuts too, buddy. It was uh, oh, quite goodness. a performance, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you really have to be excited uh, as far as the Jets go. And I've, I think I've said this before on the podcast. Uh, when I was in college and uh, Donovan McNabb was the quarterback, one of the things that they always did early in the game was get him some early, easy-to-complete throws to get him into the rhythm of the offense. Right. And they always did that for the most part did that and you look at how successful he was both in college and in the in the professionals uh i just think that just makes so much sense and so kudos to the jets coaching staff bringing mike white in and doing exactly what you said yeah it's it's akin to you know the point guard early in the game getting the big man involved so he'll run and rebound and hustle the rest of the game in basketball and you definitely want to do that with Donovan McNam because you don't want him throwing up in the biggest moment of his life in the Super Bowl. Oh, and oh. there it is. Now I know I've brought it up because every time I bring it up, you talk about him throwing up. I do. I do. I'm sorry. I can't let that one go. <laughs> but anywho, we've all had a little upset tum-tum every once in a while, especially in the Super Bowl. But Yes, uh, and just all of us don't have it captured live on TV. Right. So the Browns uh, – or no, I'm sorry, the Bengals fall – uh, and they are now five and three, and really it was a trap game for them. And boy, did they get trapped! So, uh, Dave, I'm going to just really quickly park on the Bears and the 49ers. Uh, Niners win 33-22, but the Bears really utilized Justin Fields as well as they've had all year. Now, is that because Matt Nagy wasn't there? He's you know out with COVID protocol and couldn't be you know, with the team, and so they had a little bit of different play call. But they got them out on the edge, bootlegs, RPOs, uh, you know, those kinds of, of plays where he could use his legs and get out and do some things. Now, you know, their defense didn't play great. And uh, really the story of this game was Garoppolo uh, for the Niners going uh, 17 for 28 for 322, but he also uh, ran the ball in twice, uh, four rushes for two yards. Uh, I'm sorry. Five rushes for four yards. Those two. And yep. um, two touchdowns. And they, and they were impressive because, you know, it showed his legs as well. Um, but, again, I just wanted to touch on, you know, the Bears finally using Justin Fields the way – that uh, they were supposed to. He had 10 attempts for 103 yards and a touchdown rushing and passing 19 for 27 for 175, a touchdown and an interception. So, um, you know, maybe a glimmer of hope in another lost season for the Bears as they fall to three and five and the Niners up to three and four. Uh, yeah, that is that is a good recipe for success for the Bears. I agree if they can continue to do that. Uh, long term, they will be successful doing that. Absolutely. What What's next, buddy? Oh, let's see. What other interesting games? Oh, Mike, in the later slot, the New Orleans Saints and the mm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another uh, just back and forth affair. It felt like there was a lot of these in the NFL yes. uh, this week, and this was another one. Uh, I'm so happy 
with the uh, final results of this game. Uh, the the Saints did win. Uh, we've talked about some of the injuries. Mike mentioned it earlier. Jameis Winston uh, gets hurt in this game. He is done for the year now, and uh, that's tough. I mean, it, say what you will, he's been you know kind of up and down. Not even kind of. He's been up and down uh, in typical Jameis Winston fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh but the Saints win this game and they're five and two. You'd have to think they were feeling pretty good at five and two with Winston at quarterback. Uh, so instead, we see Trevor Simeon, and I see his name and I go, "Geez, that's the guy from Northwestern, isn't it?" it sure is. enough, look it up, and there he is. I remember Syracuse playing against him uh, in college. So he was sixteen of twenty-nine for one fifty-nine and a touchdown. Uh, Mike, but the story in this game, well, one of the stories, the one I'm going to focus on, is the three turnovers by Tom Brady. I thought uh, you might go there. Yes. Uh, I mean, his numbers, they're really good. 28 of 40, 375 yards. Godwin had eight catches for 140 yards and a touchdown. But uh, two interceptions, Mike, and a fumble for Tom Brady. And the second interception uh, really put the game away for New Orleans. Yep. Uh, he drops back looking for Godwin. Uh, Godwin, I, I don't know, he kind of falls down a little bit, but uh, yeah, but PJ Williams just jumps the route, uh, comes in, picks it off, uh, runs it in for a touchdown with a 124 to go. Uh, and puts New Orleans up for good. They win 36 to 27 Mike and that's that's a big win uh for the Saints uh I'm kind of surprised honestly that the Saints won this game I know their defense is very good we've been talking about that for almost two years now uh and certainly holding Tampa to 27 points is is a major accomplishment, but I'm still very surprised about this. Yeah, Sean Payton seems to have the uh, ability to beat Tom Brady. Uh, I think that's three out of four now that he's won against Brady. Uh, since uh, Brady is two, uh, two and four overall against the Saints. Okay, uh, since Sean Payton has been there, right? Um, and that's his worst record versus any team. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, continue. No, that's fine. Uh, the Saints are going to be fine as long as they have Alvin Kamara. And I don't know, this kind of went under the radar later in the week. They picked up uh, Mark Ingram, who was leading the Houston Texans in rushing, uh, started his career in New Orleans. In New Orleans, uh, right. Definitely a, a comfortable fit, knows the playbook. Uh, and to bring him in, and now they have that two-headed monster at uh, running back again. Uh, whoever they play at quarterback, whether it's Simeon or Who's the other kid, Dave, from being Taysom Hill when right. he comes back? Yeah. Right. So whoever they play at running at quarterback, you know, they're going to have a strong running game to complement them. And, uh, you know, the Saints could be uh, in it for the long haul here. I, I was never – I feel bad for Jameis. I never want to see an injury like that. You know, he was on the redemption tour and, uh, you know, could really start rehabilitating his NFL career with this season. So that part really sucks. 
Um, but I wasn't really on the bandwagon of he's going to lead them to the promised land, uh, whereas they could change. And Sean Payton and the rest of the coaching staff certainly are smarter than I am at football. Uh, they're going to change their whole philosophy probably uh, depending on who they, they they put back there. You know, you can only put Hill back there as a gadget man so often, um, and I would imagine yep. they'll keep him – uh, they'll run both uh, Simeon and Hill out there quite a bit once Hill's uh, back healthy. But, uh, yeah, this game was one of those back and forth. People are, are beating up uh, Sean Payton a little. Even though they got the win, uh, he threw the ball late in the game instead of running, trying to rush the ball and run the clock out. You cannot run the ball against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know how many uh, times you want to try and prove that. So I thought it was smart of him to actually uh, do play-action pass and, and, and run the clock out. You know, the the uh, traditionalists or, you know, if you can't run the ball, then you don't deserve to win. Well, he won anyway in this game. Um, I give him credit for knowing the other team's strengths and, you know, taking advantage of their weaknesses. So uh, good on Sean Payton, uh, entertaining game, and uh, happy to see Brady throw the pick six to uh, to seal it for New Orleans. Yes. Yes, he says. What about, Dave, this game? I know there's going to be puke emojis galore, but the Patriots and the Chargers turned out to be quite – a clinic by the Patriots Patriots defense. They confused Justin Herbert so much and really got in his head with the different um, schemes they were showing pre-snap versus what they do did when the ball was snapped. If you catch any of the NFL Network's coverage of this game uh, where they're breaking down these things, uh, check it out in the next few days, folks. It's a pretty pretty amazing uh, to see you know how they moved around pre-snap and Herbert made the wrong decision you got to remember he's still a very young quarterback Justin Herbert as good as he is yeah. uh, you know things are he hasn't learned everything yet he went 18 for 35 for 223 two touchdowns two interceptions and three sacks um, and you know Austin Eckler didn't have the game he usually has he's got a bad hip and he was really questionable leading up to this game uh that probably hurt them a little bit as well uh going into the game but still patriots win 27 24 mac jones just you know managing the game 18 for 35 uh 218 yards no scores no interceptions uh you know the patriots ran the ball 39 attempts for 141 yards uh and really wore out this charger defense in a game where I think uh, people probably thought these two teams were going in opposite directions, but they were on the wrong side. Chargers are ascending certainly overall for, you know, where their organization is, but the Patriots, Dave, are back, and don't look now. They're only, um, you know, right there in second place in the AFC East. We'll take a peek at that later, but um, impressive win, you know, by Bill Belichick. The old man still got it. Yeah, and this is two weeks in a row now with Justin Herbert. You remember last week, uh, a very poor performance against Baltimore right. and him coming out and saying they were making all of these changes and were in plays and uh, sets that they hadn't seen before. And now Belichick does the same thing. 
Uh, I'm sure I wouldn't say Belichick was watching what the Ravens did. Uh, but now on some levels, it seems like they're starting to develop a formula on how to, uh, defeat Justin Herbert. And I'm sure he'll make his adjustments. He's definitely very, very talented. Uh, but two weeks in a row to see him really struggle. And he is still, like you say, just in his second year, but it's definitely, uh, surprising i think to see that mike yeah the chargers they have to run the ball consistently for him to be successful and you know with eckler banged up um you know that just wasn't happening and then when you get into a throw first mentality against the the patriots you know he's going to put you in the vice grip so that's what he did what's the there's another game you want to check out there before we go to sunday night uh well I do want to talk about my bills too but okay well, um, we'll do but that just, after Sunday night but yeah just one uh one other piece uh Cooper Cup um just continues to have an amazing year in the Rams uh one and they are also seven and one but Cooper Cup becomes the first player in the Super Bowl era with 900 plus receiving yards and 10 plus touchdowns in the first eight games of the year considering how amazing the receiving has been in the NFL uh, for the last umpteen number of years. Yep. That is a significant, significant accomplishment for Cooper Cup. Uh, so shout out to him for his amazing performance and really helping uh, the Rams and, and Matthew Stafford have a really, really good year so far. Yeah, you would say his cup runneth over, Dave. Uh, yes, yes, Or I you would say would. that because that's the name of my fantasy team. Yes, um, yes. What? So what about Sunday night, Mike? Sunday night, what a debacle for me, dude. Uh, I, I thought for <laughs> sure that the Vikings were, you know, going to win this game. You know, we get the late news that we're getting Cooper Rush starting for the Cowboys. Uh, Dak warmed up. His calf just wasn't feeling right. No sense of taking any chances as they were uh, already – in firm control of the NFC East, but, uh, and they come out and, and cousins goes down the field, the feeling, and it's seven, nothing. And you think, all right, you know, this is going to be one of those Minnesota wins 21, 13, uh, but was never really threatened. And, uh, I was wrong, Dave, uh, Cooper rush, uh, really had a nice game as the backup quarterback for, the Cowboys and he went 24 for 40 325 yards two touchdowns and a pick um, they did throw the um, trick play uh, Cedric Wilson uh, 35 yards to um, CD Lamb for a nice pickup uh, there uh, CD Lamb I mean that receiving core for uh, Dallas is, is something to be reckoned with and, and when Amari Cooper is engaged and he was yesterday check out his catch at the back of the end zone it was amazing um, eight receptions for 122 for him and a touchdown uh, they got a lot of options there on offense for Dallas um, and Dallas prevails 2016 in uh, a Sunday night game that turned out to be a lot of fun if you're one of those fans that wears a star on their side um, and the Vikings continue to be the picture of mediocrity 
Uh, they're three and four. They are never bad enough to rebuild. They're never good enough to contend. Um, they're in NFL purgatory along with other teams, but uh, just seems like Minnesota is the poster child for that. Uh, and here's another game where that became uh, true. Yep, uh, no doubt. Uh, you know, Minnesota just getting buried. Uh, certainly the the Packers are playing very, very well. Right. Uh, but Minnesota with the Bears middling and the Lions uh, not winning at all, uh, Minnesota really, you know, they should be better. They just should be better, plain and simple. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, with the offensive firepower they have with Dalvin Cook and Thielen and Justin Jefferson and all those guys, you know, you'd think they'd be better. But let's get to your Buffalo Bills, David. Uh, 26-11 victory over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I'll just leave it for my piece. They finally ran the ball with Josh Allen in the second half the way I want to see them. There's two or three times they ran my favorite play, which is Josh Allen around the end with a guard and a, a tackle pulling to lead the way, and uh, it paid off in this game uh, big time for the Bills. So what did you yeah, see? What did you he hear? Had, what did you follow? Um, his, I think, was his longest run uh, in the first half, and he <laughs> – he dropped back and he rolled to the side. And then, oh my gosh, the field just opened up. If you had like suddenly switched to the channel right at that time, Josh Allen was the only football player on your screen. Absolutely. Nobody near him to the point that, uh, was it Solomon Wilcox that was doing the game? Yes. I think. And he said, I don't ever remember seeing a, a player running on this field with that much open space. Uh, so clearly the Dolphins did not have anybody spying on Josh Allen. Uh, that was a huge, huge run uh, in the first half. But the first half was a clunker, uh, Mike. Just absolutely just terrible, terrible. Tied at three. Uh, a lot of inconsistencies there, but... The Bills put together some nice drives in the second half. Uh, Allen was his usual good self, 29 of 42 and 249 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the eight rushes for 55 yards and a touchdown um, really just looked well. I'd like to see the running backs get a little bit uh, more yards, uh, if you will, but the Bills were going into this game were the only team with three players with over 200 yards apiece uh, running the ball. So I just would like to see the running backs actually run the ball. But in this game, the Bills figured out that Josh Allen running the ball was their best option. Yep. And it worked against a Dolphins team that, you know, I didn't think they played that horrible. The The first half, you know, they they were in it. I, Tua made some nice throws. Uh, some nice decisions there, but ultimately I just think the Bills are too talented. Uh, my, they held Miami to only 262 yards. Uh, the Miami with two turnovers, 28% on third down. Uh, the Bills defense really uh, just put the clamps down when they needed to. Uh, and kudos to the Bills for moving to 5-2 and two coming off of their bye week. Yeah, I thought great job by the Bills uh, offensive staff. They came out in the second half and they 
ran five or six plays in a row to Cole Beasley until the point where he had to come out of the game. He was so tired and needed saying something about Cole Beasley to make him tired. Uh, and that really jump-started the, the Bills' offense because, like you said, the first half was listless, the classic, you know, uh, off of a bye, playing a team we should be, you know, on the road uh, kind of thing. Um, but uh, the Bills picked it up. I, I, th- I think I'm out on Tua Tunga Vialoa also, Dave. Uh, oh, okay. Every throw he makes feels like it should be intercepted. There's always two or three defenders around. He's fitting it into the tightest of windows, and the ball's getting tipped and knocked down. Or I, I don't know. I just uh, he seems like he's moving a half a tick slower than the game's moving, and not in a good way. You know, when when like Rogers is like that, you know, because he's confident. This I don't get from Tua. I just feel like he's just a half a step behind um, the rest of the world there. And, uh, you know, really not a great offensive performance by Miami. And you credit to the Bills' defense, of course. Um, but still, um, you got to do better than, than what they threw out there. But uh, big, like I said, kudos to the Bills' offense for uh, going to Beasley and really getting, the, uh, getting it started. He ended up with 13 targets, 10 catches, 110 yards, and um, – Really nice. Did you catch uh, any of um, Josh Allen's Halloween costume coming into the stadium? Oh, yeah, they showed that. And, uh, oh, so nice. We get to see all the players in Halloween costumes and pictures of their families and the kids and what everybody's doing. And what does he come in as? Phil Mickelson, right? Yeah. Basically, he got a golf shirt and a visor on, and he showed his calves off and called himself Phil Mickelson. Well, I think I think it was showing off the shoes that he had on. Oh, uh, I think he had specific like Phil Mickelson kind of shoes. Oh, maybe I was the I know the, Mickelson's calves are like there. legends on the internet, so maybe uh, it was a little yeah, bit that's a little bit little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so one interesting stat that uh, for this game is. Josh Allen had at least one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown in the game for the 19th time. Wow. Uh, that is a recipe for success for Buffalo. They are 19-0 and 0 when he does that. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you know they're in great shape going forward and, and just need to stay healthy and stay primed and, and uh, peak here at the end of the season. Uh, Dave, my Giants are on Monday Night Football against the Chiefs tonight. Uh, I feel like everyone's saying it's a get-right game for the Chiefs, and that's exactly where I want it to be. Uh, The Giants, I feel like on offense, especially with uh, Kadarius Toney coming back, uh, could really uh, put the Chiefs on, on skates, and we'll see if Mahomes continues to turn the ball over. So, uh do I have high hopes for, you know, the game in Kansas City uh, is always a tough place to play? Uh, no, I don't have high hopes, but I think we have more than a puncher's chance tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens, and, of course, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, Dave, what about next week? Have you looked at next week's games at all and seeing what's uh... – uh, Yeah, I mean, definitely the, the highlight is the uh, 425 Green Bay at Kansas City. Right. Uh, I think – at looking at all of the games, that seems to be, uh, from my perspective, one of the biggest ones. And then you also have 
uh, on the Sunday night game with the Titans at the Rams. Right. Uh, as as really really big games, we only have four teams on the bye. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you could make an argument for Cardinals at 49ers. Uh, in the later slot, see what the Cardinals bounce back as, see what the 49ers uh, can do and uh, off of a nice win and a, and a, a big divisional showdown there. Um, I don't know, Browns and Bengals, uh, Browns at Cincinnati, both teams looking to bounce back from from bad losses. Uh, I'll be interested to see the Giants Raiders just because West Coast team coming east for the Giants and yep. – um, you know, what are the Raiders anymore? Do we know? We're going to find out, you know, obviously with Gruden being gone and, um, you know, are they going to stay in contention? I, I think they will. Um, but we'll see how the Giants come out health wise uh, on Monday night and go from there. Yeah. Dan, let's take a look at the standings real quick while we have a couple of minutes. Uh, starting in, uh, well, let's start right off in the AFC East with uh, your Buffalo Bills leading the division at five and two and there are those Patriots buddy uh, game and a half back at four and four uh, you know Jets and Dolphins long out of it at this point what's your uh, confidence level in the Bills on a scale of one to ten to win this uh, division yeah I mean I, I still there's still definitely uh, the favorite I think there's no no two ways around that uh, they do have to play the Patriots twice uh, in December. And so, you know, I would say some concern there because you're starting to see, uh, with the Patriots, some of the things that have made them the Patriots over the years. Uh, and so there's somewhat concerning one of the games I will be at the first game on the Monday nighter, uh, uh, December 6th. And then three weeks later, the day after Christmas, they're playing at the Patriots. So two tough divisional games later in the year. Uh, honestly, it would have been nice to get one of these games in, but sure. you know, in, in the first seven here. But that's how the schedule plays out. So, uh, I, I mean, I have good confidence in it. I think, you know, overall, the Bills will be in a good spot before those games happen. Uh, and me a number. Yeah, and minimally splitting the games. Uh, One to give ten. You an, uh, your confidence I oh, eight. I give you an eight. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. The uh, projections I see, Bills have a 95.4% chance to win the division and a 99.9% chance to make postseason. So yeah. uh, Vegas agrees. The AFC North Day of all of a sudden is maybe one of the more compelling divisions in all of football. Uh, oh, absolutely. You've got the Ravens at five and two, the Bengals at five and three, Steelers at four and three, and the Browns at four and four. So all four teams within a game and a half of uh, you know the first place in the division. Uh, right now, the Ravens are forty-four percent chance to win the division, followed by the Bengals at thirty-two, Steelers at eighteen, and Browns at five point six. Wow. Uh, and then to make the postseason, Ravens at 86%, Bengals at 68%, Steelers at 52%, so better than a half, you know, better than 50% chance there, and the Browns at 23%. So now, not a lot of love for the Browns in wow. that uh, I mean, projection. W- they're definitely in a in, in a rough patch, but 
it's not like they're four games back. Right. They're within uh, striking distance. Yeah, that's, those numbers are interesting. So it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out. Uh, yeah, this looks like a great division, great divisional race. Uh, right now, the Ravens are ahead, but the Bengals have the 2-0 two, uh, two and o in the division right now. So uh, right. you might say that they have uh, a leg up, even though they're just a half game back of the Ravens. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but they can't afford games like the ones they just lost to the Jets. No, they forward. cannot. And then the AFC South, Dave, uh, Titans at six and two, Colts at three and five, Jaguars and Texans not worth mentioning. Uh, in fact, they both have less than a zero, a one point zero percent chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, but the Titans with this injury to Derrick Henry, uh, three games, but really four because they just beat the Colts yesterday. Uh, yeah. In great shape in this division. So like we talked about earlier, getting Henry back uh, with a game or in the first round of the playoffs isn't going to be the worst. It's not the best, but it's not the worst situation for them. Yeah, think? and if the if the Titans and we looked at their schedule, it, it's it certainly is manageable. If the Titans were able to finish uh, in the number one spot, they would get a bye, and that would give them you know the extra week there. Uh, if they could do that, that would certainly benefit them with Henry. But yeah, I think they're they're a lock to win the division. Yeah, I agree, and uh, Vegas agrees with a ninety two point four percent for them to win the division and ninety five percent to make the playoffs. So, uh, AFC West also quite compelling. Raiders at five and two, Chargers all of a sudden uh, four and three. The shines off the apple a little bit there, as we say in the Northeast. Uh, Broncos at four and four, and the Chiefs at three and four. And uh, this is the first time I've seen. Uh, a third place team have less of a uh, percentage to make the playoffs than the last place team. Oh, uh, uh, what a surprise. Yeah, they got, well, even the second place team. So they have, I'll run it right down like I have been. Raiders to win the division. Raiders 39.6, Chargers 42.2, Broncos 7.1, Chiefs 11.2. To make the playoffs, Raiders Jeez. 70, Chargers 63, Broncos 19, Chiefs 29. Tell me those aren't some biased um, figures they're throwing at the Chiefs there, buddy. Yeah, but a 29% chance to make the playoffs, I mean, I think that speaks a lot to how many other teams there are in front of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, seven games in, they certainly have, I mean, any of these teams, they certainly have their uh, chances Sure. as far as making it but yeah wow that's uh some interesting numbers there do you uh you want to run through the nfc or you want me to keep running yeah no, go ahead you All got right. it nfc east uh i mean this division's over as much as i hate to say it cowgirls at six and one uh <laughs> eagles at three and five giants two and five football team at two and six uh, 95.6% chance for the Cowgirls to win the division, 97 to make the playoffs. Uh, the only other team they give more than a 1% chance to make the um, division is the Eagles at 3.5 and 16% for them to make the playoffs. So Giants have uh, 3.2% to make the playoffs, less than 1% to win the division. 
so used. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance. Yeah, they're (laughs) 0-2 in the division already with that loss to the Cowboys. That makes it difficult. Not good. Not good. Uh, NFC North, this one is well, well over. Uh, seven and one Packers. Uh, Vikings are three and four. Bears three and five. And the Lions are still playing football. Uh, bagel. Yeah, Bagel. 95.8% to win the division for the Packers. 98.9% to make the postseason. So your Bills uh, were are continuing to be you know the team most likely to make the postseason. Uh, as we got two more divisions to go. This division also quite interesting with um, the NFC South. The Buccaneers six and two, Saints five and two, Panthers four and four, Falcons three and four. Uh, Falcons and Panthers a little bit feisty, but not really. Uh, Buccaneers 59% to win the division, 97 to make the playoffs. Saints 38% to win the division, 91 to make the playoffs. And uh, the other two teams less than 10%. So it's really a two-team race with the Saints uh, having the upper hand all of a sudden. Uh, could be interesting for home field and, and whatnot. Yeah, you know, it's it's really going to come down to the quarterback issue with the Saints that we've talked about already. Uh, if, you know, Kamara and Mark Ingram can provide that one-two punch, uh, they certainly can uh, stay there and, and compete with Tampa. <clears throat> but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, again, very surprised by the Saints. I don't think the Panthers are going to do much of anything uh, and not the Falcons either. So, yeah, I agree. It's a two-team race. Absolutely. And then uh, lastly, the NFC West, Dave, is interesting as well. Um, seven and one Cardinals, seven and one Rams, and then big drop down to three and four Niners and three and five Seahawks. We didn't look terrible with Geno Smith uh, behind the uh, center yesterday, but uh, they're just too far back in, in the uh, win loss column. They have uh, the Cardinals at 99% to make the postseason and the Rams, so they're both tied with your Bills. Uh, and then for the division, Cardinals 51.5, Rams 47.9. So uh, they're saying it's a two-team race all the way to the end. Uh, yep. And uh, I think that that's that's probably right. I think that's an interesting uh, breakdown of where everybody is uh, in the NFL. Do you have any comments on the NFC West, buddy? Uh, it, it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Uh, be interesting to see the long-term impacts of J.J. Watt with the Cardinals mm-hmm. um, and the Rams, Mike. Let's talk about that because we saw today uh, the Von Miller trade uh, from the Broncos to the Rams. Uh, you know, Von Miller has been hurt a lot, as we know, but he is uh, still a uh, a solid performer and you put him on that line with Aaron Donald and then you have Jalen Ramsey. Uh, this is, I think a pretty big pickup. Uh, I know you have your thoughts, Mike, but I, I, this seems to be a pretty good pickup for me for the Rams, uh, a team that's seven and one adding in another experienced defender. If Von Miller can stay healthy. Yeah. Well, that's a big if for me, Dave. And you know, also, um, they gave up two number two picks to get him. And uh, some in our circles were saying, you know, he should be worth a number one. 
and I just don't think Von Miller's there anymore. There certainly was a time, um, but I just don't feel like he can be reliable enough, and he's only going to be on the field 20 of you know 75 snaps for you on defense. Um, so is that really a number one value? Um, but yes, of course, it's going to be scary when he's healthy uh, to try and block, uh, you know, both sides of that end. Uh, the Rams linebacking core is very underrated, uh, very fast, very uh, quick to swarm to the ball. And like you said, the ball hawk on the back end, um, you know, the Rams are going for it. They're going to try and win it all this year. They, you know, started with the Stafford golf trade and uh, they haven't stopped. So It'll be interesting to see if, if Miller can stay healthy, you know, what they can do there. But, uh, you know, great, great. I think it's good for both teams. I really do. Um, but we'll see what happens. Time will tell, as they say. Yes, yes, right. absolutely. Um, so that wraps up week eight here in the NFL. Of course, we'll wait and see how uh, Mike's Giants do tonight. I think defensively, I think they're going to play very well. Uh, and give Kansas City some trouble. It's just a question, like Mike said, about the turnovers from Mahomes. Uh, but then that will wrap up week eight, folks, and we are into, you know, we're really at the halfway point, which is why we took a, a, a hard look at the standings and see where all the teams are. Uh, we're halfway through the season already, if you can believe it. Uh, we're recording today on November 1st. Ugh. Uh, it is just time keeps on ticking as they say, and into the future we go. So, uh, on, there you go. On, on that note, we will put a bow and wrap on this week eight NFL podcast here at think tank sports. Uh, we look forward to your comments and questions and concerns and and certainly looking for a nice five-star rating from you uh keep voting in our twitter poll uh we would appreciate that and as you know here at think tank sports we strive for five